0: O Lord, our God, you have chosen to make yourself known through your creation, your word, your son, and your spirit. Now reveal your glory to us and through us, the church. Speak to us, form us, lead us, dwell in us. Teach us today how to love as Jesus loves, to welcome the stranger, heal the sick, and care for the poor to bear good news, build bridges, and bring your people home. For Christ in us is the hope of glory. May your perfect will prevail in us today. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. You may be seated. So today we have a special guest speaker, except that she is really no guest, Teddy Toyo told me she has grown up. Oh, where did she go? There she is. <laughs> she, she walked out on me. Plan B. No, I'm just kidding. Today we have a special guest. Teddy Toyo told me she has grown up here at our church, and our church is literally family for her. Um, Carol, her mom, has been the church board secretary for the past 10 years. Her auntie Sandra, Sandra Wong, is the director of our preschool, MPCS. And her grandparents Betty and the late Frank Lou they were prominent leaders for decades and decades before Frank passed away. So last year in September of 2016 most of us know that we sent Teddy on a little trip except it wasn't little. It was a six-month training and serving in a mission um, in Australia and then Swahili. Uh, we have sent her with, her prayers, with our prayers, we've invested our finances in her, um, and now she's back, she's back. I can't believe how fast those six months have gone by, uh, but it's been amazing <clears throat> to just catch up with Teddy and hear some of the stories uh, that she's experienced to overseas and um and some of the amazing things the lord's been teaching her and so teddy has agreed to share a little of those stories with us today and so let's give teddy a warm applause of welcome
1: well hi my name is teddy toyotomi and um well, yeah, it's not hard to believe. I grew up in this church, uh, Trinity Church of the Nazarene. I've been in um children's program. I've been in the summer school. I've been in the youth group. Um, I'm just going to give you a quick introduction of um, who I am and who I was. I can't tell you my whole testimony. I can just tell you that... Um, My parents have been separated, and I've had a hard time in high school, so it was like a a bumpy road for me. So there was, um, I'd say that my identity was kind of foggy during that time. Um, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I graduated high school, but then it's like, well, you know, now what? So I spent a few years just wandering. Like, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, but then I heard about this missionary school called YWAM, which is Youth with a Mission, and apparently it's really great, you know, and you got to do it. So then I'm like, okay, I'll do it. Um, I didn't know it was for six months, um, but, you know, what the heck, why not? (laughs) Um, I didn't care that I was going alone. I didn't care that I was gonna be separated from mom for six months you know it's actually kind of like yeah <laughs> okay so. <laughs> so um you get there and it's such a different environment I can't possibly explain to you how different it is like when there's worship someone simply says, okay, we're going to worship now, and everyone gets up from their seats, and they just go to their favorite spot. And the reason why they do that is because some of them, they'll dance, and some of them just want to wave their arms around, and some of them, they just, when they worship, they scream, you know, like, oh, whoa, and they go, come on, you know, because I don't know why they say that, but yeah. (laughs) Everyone just says, oh, come on, and you're just like, what does that mean? Is it an Aussie thing? But anyways... So it was a lot of culture shock, and it's different. Um, Anyways, so my art, uh, I mainly went there to learn how to use, how to incorporate God into this whole art thing. Like, when I was in youth group, I didn't know what that meant. You know, people ask you, like, how do you use your talent for God? And you just sit there, and you don't really know, you know, you don't know how to answer which is why I felt lost, because, you know, I don't know. So some things that you do is you wait for images to... Okay, this sounds weird, but you wait for images from God to come to you. You just sit there, and sometimes you're sitting in bed, and you're just waiting, and um, they just come to you. But this one, I can't explain it in full detail. This one is like, how it feels to be told that God loves you and to actually believe it. This one was just a sunset of Australia, and that's a magpie. Um, This one is my prophetic painting, but, um, yeah, it's water trickling down into hands, and the water becomes bullets. And it's a very... I can't go over it right now, but it's It's deep. Anyways, this one says don't look at the ocean, look at the waves, and that 's about focus focusing on your effect right now and it 's not about worrying about what 's across the oceans, whether it 's home or things like that. You have to focus on your on here and now um, so that 's what I did. It was four months during like training just nonstop lectures for 3 hours 5 days a week and it's really intense it seems like it's just all fun and games but when you're there you understand that it's very intense and it's not only about your art and your talent it was all about you cuz like how can you do anything if you don't understand you how can you truly express yourself and worship If you don't even know who you are. So, we had this one week that was very important, very significant for me, which was Identity Week. Um, This is us. Yeah, we're a weird bunch. We're really weird. Yeah, I miss those guys. (laughs) What we did was we wrote down our truths, we wrote down the lies that we tell ourselves or that we've believed for all our lives. And then on another piece of paper, you write down the opposites. You write down your truths. And in front of the groups, you read them aloud. But one thing our teacher told us was, writing them and saying them is not as important as believing them. And nobody can make you believe. You have to choose to believe. She said, I'm going to let you either keep these lies with you or you can choose to throw them away. And you really have to choose to throw them away. Not in the trash can physically. You have to just let them go. A verse she uh, was talking about was James 1, which is, Now my dearest brothers and sisters, let it be... I'm not very great at this stuff. Let it be great joy when you go through hard things. Let perseverance finish its works, so that you may, may be maybe mature and complete. And that just rang very well with my life because I've, I've been through a lot of stuff and now I know why. Because it helps you grow and it helps you to understand how bad things can get. So how hazy was my identity before YWAM? Well, I usually identified myself according to what my father told me and how he treated me um, during the separation. Um, He wasn't the coolest dude during that time. He was just very, um, very mean and very bitter because of the separation and because I didn't choose to live with him during that time. So I thought I was um, destined. I was a broken kid. I thought I'm a broken kid, and I'm always going to be a broken kid. And I thought that I am destined for a life of um, pain and uh, suffering. But during that time... Um, in Identity Week, I talked about this stuff, Ugh. and um, <laughs> and they were like, you know, Teddy, you can let that go. Thank you. <laughs> you can let that go. They told me, um, yeah, you need to let that go. And I was like, you're right. How the training and my relationships have changed that completely was that I surrounded myself with people, good friends. One of these friends, oh man, you can't see her, but um, she's right at the bottom left corner. That's Rachel. And she's always inspired me to be true to myself. Um, and people, especially your one-on-ones, which are, like, your mentors, they constantly commend you in your strengths, but they don't, like, criticize you in your weaknesses. They simply teach you how to be a better person and how to be better and how to be more, how to do more for God, I guess. Um, There was this time, I knew that um, there was this time in the week when I was like, you know, God, I'd really like to heal someone. Like, (laughs) you know, I'd really like to heal someone. That'd be pretty freaking cool. So, here and behold, there's this woman, and she's got this big stick, and Rachel and I are just sitting in the park, and we're just sitting on this bench, and she's just walking by, and she's just going as slow as she can in front of us, and I'm just feeling so guilty, because I know what I ask God for, and it's right in front of me, but I don't want to do it. <laughs> it's just so weird. So, Rachel and I were talking, and we were just eyeing her up, and we were like, mm. So I looked at her and said, I just disobeyed God. And she said, you too? <laughs> So we're like, okay, we should go pray for her. So we went and we prayed for her. And I'm like, all right, like, that this may not work, you know? But it worked. Like, she was healed. And it's just like, you don't understand, like, why sometimes people are healed and why they're not. But I think the more important lesson was that it was to believe um it was to believe in yourself and it was to believe in God and that he can make things happen through you but mainly it was to believe in myself and um, my power and my abilities Over the time, especially after outreach, which I went to Africa, um, I slowly grew, well, people told me that I grew really confident and almost fearless, and, um, and I understood God's love and how to use this, and um, it was, in a way, to see others changed or to see them just inspired Um, during DTS um, during the training in Australia I shared my story um, in front of a church and I shared about the divorce and committing suicide and all that stuff and then I remember um, I was walking out and then these families would just randomly come up to me And they'd say, um, we can't thank you enough for sharing that. And I asked why. And he said, because we're going through that too. And um, I always thought, like how I thought that um, I was meant to be a broken kid and all that stuff. And I thought my story's not going to change anything. It's not really... No one's really going to listen. But once that happened, I realized that we all go on our separate journeys for a reason. And mine was just to share that so that (laughs) those kids understood and they'll understand what it feels like when, when um, when the hard times come. some things I have to wrap this up but some things that have completely changed me and my identity um, I chose during Father Heart of God Week which is just to explain how much the depth of God's love for you which is unconditional and endless was that I chose to forgive my parents for that time because it was, it just came to mind. Like, I thought, you know, why do I always have to mention that? Why do I always have to mention the divorce? And this voice asked me a question, and it said, well, have you ever thought of forgiving them? And I was like, well, no. <laughs> and um, so during that ministry day, which is, you get into groups again and you do the hard stuff and I said I I choose to forgive my parents and um, it was just something that I another thing that I had to let go of Um, another thing that I did was I surrendered my future to God and Disney which is an idol of mine to me because I would constantly go to Disneyland and I would have a pass and my money would go to Disney passes or it would go to Disney merchandise or it would go to my future in Disney or my thoughts would be about Disney. It would be about my future and I'm going to work for Disney because that's who I am. But I learned that that's not not who I was and it wasn't who I was meant to be. So I chose to lay it down. Um, I said, God... I'll go wherever you want me to go. And um, the lesson during that week was that sometimes what you lay down, he will allow you to pick back up, but he's going he's gonna to <laughs> add a few more things in that you weren't expecting. Um, so I'd just like to end it with... Um, There was this time in Africa, in southern Africa, where we did nothing for two weeks except for cleaning a garage, which was not fun. And everyone was bickering about it. Everyone was very bitter. Oh, we're not doing anything. We're not evangelizing. We're not out in the park with those kids like we should be. But I think we tend to miss the point when it comes to evangelism. Um, And the point is that Sometimes what matters is not really doing anything. It's just being, like, being present. And it's about having a willing heart. Um, So, (laughs) I wanted to finish with, um, with these paintings. is that I've come back, obviously, and I've learned what it means to um, initially just... Why would I do this? Like, why do any of it? Why go out across the sea and pay thousands of dollars just to get teaching and evangelism and outreach... Um, And I just want you guys to know that you don't have to do anything big for God. You don't have to do anything too big or too small or too out of your comfort zone because then you're just doing it for yourself. Um, I just want you guys to keep in mind that... um, You're doing it for you're doing it for god and you're not doing it out of fear or out of expectation because this was highly unexpected nobody expected that i wanted to do this but you're gonna do it because you want to and you want to please um you want to please god um but you need to know that he's already pleased with you no matter what. There was the pastor of the church that we had our classes at. He'd say, do well for God. But just remember that God's always saying, God's always saying, that's my girl. or That's my boy. Thank you.
0: Thanks Teddy, thank you for your boldness to come up and share. You know, I knew Teddy when she was like really little. I was her small group teacher, her leader, I'm sorry, and um, and I just remember saying to her, Teddy, when you're at school, every day try to say something, just one sentence to somebody you've never talked to before, you know, just to build the confidence. Um, and, and to see her up here and sharing the way that she did, it gives me a lot of joy. And I think it's one of um, the best things about being in ministry is watching God change people's lives. right? Watching God change people's lives and seeing people reach their spiritual potential as they realize their identity in Christ, who they are in the eyes of of Jesus, and my heart overflows with joy when I see this, when, the, when I see the Lord taking a hold of people's lives and seeing them grow, and it actually makes me fall in love with Jesus more. When I see Teddy, I see Jesus moving, and I say, God, you are so awesome. You know, right now, we're in the middle of a sermon series called First Love, and I'm really, really excited about it because I feel like me, myself, I'm desperately in need of a dose of some Jesus love. So I feel like during this last campaign, you know, I I kind of sometimes lost sight of it, right? I was more about the campaign, than I was about Jesus. And I, and I found myself, um, my time with the Lord, being a little limited because of the little margin I had in my life. And it reminds me of the words from Revelation 2, the passage that both Pastor Johnny and Pastor Albert kind of visited these last couple of weeks, um, where it ta- John, the author of Revelation, uh, sorry, Revelation tells us that, uh, about a church in Ephesus And at the Church of Ephesus, they were known for, do you recall, what were they known for? Their good deeds, right? Their good works, their perseverance, their hard work. But they were rebuked for for forgetting their first love. They were reprimanded for being more about the mission than about the one who sent them on mission. So Trinity Church... Do we love Jesus? I mean, are we totally captivated, head over heels, madly in love with our Lord? And as Christians, is it okay to say that maybe, perhaps, we're not? Is that okay? And if we're not madly in love with Jesus, how do we get there? How do we return to our first love? Now, there's one particular story in the Gospels that always leaves me overwhelmed with the love and grace of Jesus. And it's in the last chapter of John. It's in John 21. So it's a story describing one of Jesus' last exchanges with Peter, uh, his disciple, one of his disciples. And Peter, who loves Peter? I love Peter, right? His spontaneity, um, his impulsive nature, which kind of gets him in trouble a lot. but we could say probably that his gravest mistake was at the trial of Jesus Christ. Jesus who was his master, his Lord, his teacher, right? And as Jesus predicted, Peter denied that he knew Jesus at all. Peter who said, you know, Jesus, I will never deny you. Even if everybody else, I will not. But he does three times. After walking with Jesus for three years, seeing the miracles that Jesus performed, seeing Jesus pour his love out to the lost, and after even experiencing the intensity of Jesus' love for him, he denies him. After seeing proof that Jesus was indeed the Son of God, three times Jesus denies having any Connection with the Lord. He betrays his most cherished friend at his greatest hour in need and just runs away. So I imagine how Peter felt about himself worthless, full of shame, and alone. And in, in John 21 and verse 3, Peter says this Peter says, I'm going out to fish. And it's kind of a loaded statement. For you see, before he met Jesus, Peter was a, a fisherman. He was a fisherman. And it essentially, he was saying, You know what? I get it. I totally messed up. I did the unforgivable. There is no going back. I failed the Lord. So he goes back to his old life before he knew the Lord. So let's read in verse 4 and see what happened next. In verse 4, John 21, verse 4. Yeah. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. So he called out to them, Friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered, He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. And when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciples whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. And as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he he wrapped his garment around him, for he had taken it off, and he jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat towing the net full of fish. Now, I love this story because this is the same way Jesus first reveals himself to Peter when they first met. Right? In Luke 5, Jesus tells Peter to let down the nets again. Right? After a night without catching any fish, and then the abundance of fish caught at the command of the Lord makes Peter drop to his knees and call Jesus Lord. So why does the Lord use such similar circumstances to reveal himself to Peter after his death and resurrection? You know, I'd imagine there was many reasons Jesus did this, but maybe one of the reasons was to show Peter that Jesus did not define their relationship by this one incident of betrayal. Rather, it was an ongoing and dynamic relationship that started when Peter first realized that Jesus was Lord in that boat three years ago. And now being able to withstand even the worst kind of betrayal when again, Peter was reminded by an abundance of fish caught in the nets that Jesus is indeed Lord. Kind of reminds me of you know when Albert and I first met, most of you know, we met on the internet. And I was living in Korea and he was in Taiwan. And we first met uh, at the airport in Taiwan you know. And, and so we, he, he had no idea what I looked like. He sent me some of his pop star pictures. It's really, like, <laughs> pretentious, you know. <laughs> but um, he just grabbed my hands. We barely said a word. And we hopped on a bus to this province of Hualien and rented a scooter to an amazing canyon called Taroka Gorge. I trusted nearly stranger, right? Hanging on to him, going up this gorge up to a canyon. On the top of the canyon, there's this beautiful garden. And that is where Albert and I had our first face-to-face deep conversation. So many years later, Jesus, uh, Jesus, why do I do that? Many years later, Albert (laughs) took me to the top of this canyon once again. And that is when he proposed. Well, actually... He proposed the second time. That's a different story, different time. But anyways, my point is, is that as we sat there, we kind of looked back and, and saw all the ways that the Lord was working in our lives. We, we reminisced all our memories, um, reflecting back to everything that had transpired since the first time we were there. So in the same way that Albert and I have this ongoing dynamic relationship, we as well have this ongoing dynamic relationship with Jesus. Can you imagine what Peter thought when he saw that fish? I remember the first time, the first time Jesus did this. And everything that had transpired three years afterwards. You know, many people have spoken to me about their moral failings or how they don't measure up to the standards of the Lord. And perhaps some of you are in that place right now where you feel like Jesus, the Lord has just washed his hands of you, right? That, that he doesn't approve of some of your life choices, that you have failed him. But, you know, our Lord, he does not write off people, Right? In Psalms 139, 13 to 14, the Lord reminds us that each of us is wonderfully, fearfully, marvelously created and that he knitted us in, his mother, in our mother's womb. See, our relationship with the Lord started even before we were aware of our own existence. And when we mess up, you know, he just draws us nearer. Right? And we see how he does this with Peter in verse 10. You know, Jesus says, bring some of the fish you have caught. And then he invites Peter to come and have breakfast by the fire. Peter, the friend who betrayed him, Jesus invites him in. And so no matter what we've done or who we are, where we've been, Jesus invites him in us in as well and i think unfortunately some of us we choose not to believe this you know teddy is talking about do we believe that jesus loves us and i think a lot of times we know it here but we don't quite get it here and when jesus calls us we decide to stay in the boat you know away from the warm fire Peter however believes that the lord that the love of Jesus is greater than his own shortcomings. And you see this when he jumps out of the boat with zeal and enthusiasm when he plops down beside him by the fire and as he's eating breakfast, he tastes the sweet taste of the grace of God and his capacity to forgive. You know, it's part of the Christian package. Right? That we believe that our identity in Christ overrides all of our inadequacies, our mistakes, our shortcomings, that the cross is bigger than any of our sins. And Peter seems to understand this. Instead of shying away thinking about what he has done, he just runs out to meet him and boldly eats the food that the Lord offers. And the conversation that ensues, this conversation that's filled with so much grace and love, it's enough to bring me to tears every time I read it. Let's read from verse 15. This is John 21, verse 15. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. And Jesus says, feed my lambs. And again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Now, to fully understand this passage, we need to go back to the original Greek. And a lot of you have heard this before, but I think it's so worth hearing it again. So in the Greek language, the word that we use for love there are multiple meanings okay there are multiple meanings we have the first meaning agape meaning unconditional right the unconditional love that is fully encompassing a consuming passion kind of love and the second meaning of love we have phileo meaning affection the kind of love that comes from a fondness we feel because of someone's qualities and kindness Like Philadelphia. What does Philadelphia mean again? The city of brotherly love, right? It's affection, brotherly love, sisterly love, right? Storge. Storge is a natural love we feel towards our family members, a baby, our parents, even our pet dog, right? Storge. And then we have eros. It's an erotic love of passion, a love based on body chemistry. So we have these different meanings Of love, right? And in our conversation that we find in this passage, when Jesus asks Peter, Do you love me? He is saying, Do you agape me? Do you love me unconditionally, Peter, with a love that is fully encompassing, passionately consuming, with your whole being, Peter? Do you love me? And so Peter responds, yes, Lord, you know that I phileo you. Meaning, yes, I feel a deep sense of affection and fondness for you. I phileo you. Peter changes the word from agape to phileo. Yet even at his response, Jesus says to Peter, feed my lambs. Right? Meaning, Give spiritual nourishment to my people. Feed them the word of God. So Jesus asks Peter a second time, do you agape me? And Peter says, you know I phileo you, Jesus. And he says, tend my sheep. The third time, Jesus is now the one to change the word. He asks Peter, do you phileo me? And Peter responds with such deep grief and pain. He says, Lord, you know all things. You know that I flail you. He's saying, Lord, you know how inadequately I love you, that I don't put you in your rightful place, that I don't put you in the center of my universe where your love overshadows every other earthly desire that I have. He is saying, yes, Lord, I am painfully aware that my love is not unconditional like yours for me. That fear, insecurities, or even mere distraction can pull my love away from you. Peter's love is insufficient. Our love is insufficient, but the love of the Lord is more than sufficient, praise God. How gracious is our Lord meeting Peter where he's at? Peter, do you phileo me? He understands. He's not demanding. How come you don't agape me? He says, Peter, do you phileo me? Knowing full well that one day Peter's love will mature to a level that Peter could hardly even expect or hope for himself. And how do we know this? In the, in the next verse, the Lord says this. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. And Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. So when Peter was younger, he was free. He was uninhibited. And perhaps one would say that Peter was undisciplined. But when he gets older, in his old age, it says he will stretch out his hands, intimating that Peter would be one day crucified. That someone else will dress him, meaning with chains and a cross upon his back, and led to a place where he did not want to go, a place of suffering and humility. And indeed, we do find out that Peter is martyred for his death. And according to Christian tradition, actually, Peter was crucified upside down at his own request because he did not feel himself worthy to die the same way as his Lord and Savior. Now that is unconditional love, wouldn't you say? That is agape love, fully encompassing, passionate love. This young fisherman who denied Jesus three times would one day become a brave leader of the first church, martyred for his obedience to Christ. Now, there are two reasons why this story makes me fall deeper in love with Jesus. Right? First of all, it's a story of relationship. God's faithfulness to us is not based on a contract where he is waiting for us to jump through certain hoops and then he gets a little stamp and says approval on our foreheads. This is not the Lord. He wants relationship. He's constantly reminding us through his word that his grace is sufficient and that he forms our hearts with such care and with such patience to make us more and more like Jesus. Does anybody know what kind of plant this is? It's a bonsai tree. That, that tree on the, on the right is just this teeny weeny little tree, right, it's like little miniature trees. Do you know how long it would take one of those little seedlings to become a bonsai tree of that nature? So this particular tree took 15 years. Right, 15 years of a master gardener pruning a little bit each day and shaping the branches day by day, week by week, to make the tree look like this. And people say that um, growing a bonsai tree from a, from a seed will be a test of your patience. Wouldn't you say? Fortunately, we have a timeless God with limitless patience to grow us into full spiritual maturity. So this is a story of relationship. Secondly, this is a story of redemption, right? Because Jesus takes all of Peter's brokenness, his his past, his failures, and his shames, and he forgives him. He makes him new, and he recommissions Peter, right? He reaffirms Peter of his calling as a spiritual leader for his people. So Teddy's experience with YOM... Taught her something profound and beautiful. I think, right? She learned who she is in Jesus, her identity in Christ. She grew up in the church; she knew it all here. But she walked around in this—I would have to say—this this dark cloud. Right? Rarely did I see that dark cloud lift. It's so hard for us as Christians to really embrace that the Lord wants relationship with us. It is so hard to believe it beyond and overcome our insecurities. But Teddy, she is a believer now. You know, I can tell the way she carries herself, the way that she speaks about things, that that this confidence in the Lord has just unleashed a, a new level of love in Teddy. You know, she took a risk. Gave six months. She didn't know she was giving six months, <laughs> apparently, during her testimony. She gave six months. She said yes to the Lord. And the Lord grew her love in his faithful way. So what about us? You know, I, don't, I don't think the Lord is sending us across, you know, to Australia or to Swahili and say yes to that. But every day the Lord is inviting us to be in relationship with him. Every day he's saying, come by the fire, let me feed you. And my prayer is that we spend some time this week with the Lord and allow him to reveal who we are in his eyes so that our love for the Lord would grow beyond our own expectations.